Government is not the solution to our problem. Government is the problem. We can meet our destiny to build a land here that will be for all mankind a shining city on a hill. Behind enemy lines. gentlemen our our guest today is always the great kevin kiley it's always fantastic to have assemblyman kevin with kiley with us again he is the assemblyman for california district six encompasses parts of roseville rockland granite bay and current candidate and we're excited to say this current candidate for governor of california during this recall kevin thank you so much for joining us my pleasure. Thanks for having me on, and thank for thank you for your work. Uh, you know, getting the truth out there. Yes, we had a great time at the rally. You had a fantastic kickoff rally with speakers James Gallagher. We we finally got to meet him face to face. That was great, and as well, uh, for, uh, somebody we look up to as well. Tamika Hamilton was out there to support you. It was fantastic. I'm going to hand it off to Trevor, who will start the questions off for you. Hey, Kevin. This is Trevor. Um, so as you know, Californians worked hard uh, over the past year and a little over 1.7 million Californians across party lines, uh, lots of Democrats, we might add, as Californians came out and signed a petition to put Governor Gavin Newsom up for a recall vote. As the voting day, September 14th, draws near, why do you say that it's necessary that we recall the governor now? Well, I think that this is, uh, you know, the best opportunity that we uh, have had as uh, as California citizens uh, to really root out the corruption that has taken over our state capital uh, and set our state on a new course. And, you know, Gavin Newsom uh, has brought the corruption that is endemic to our politics to peak levels. He's taken everything that's wrong uh, with California government and put it on steroids uh, during the COVID-19 response. Uh, in particular. And that's why you've seen this extraordinary citizens movement, the greatest citizens movement in California history, 2.1 million people uh, who signed the petition of all party affiliations, uh, all walks of life who said that, no, we're not going to accept that the decline and failure of our state are inevitable. You know, we're going to get this turned around. We're going to get our state on a new course. When when you were uh, debating whether you were going to jump into this race and you're, I'm sure you were talking to friends and family. And what was the process that went into this, helping you to decide that you actually you were going to throw your hat in the ring? Well, you know, I uh, I got involved with the recall, um, not by any stretch of the imagination, with the intention of being a candidate. Um, I was just looking to support all of the folks on the ground, on the front lines, 
uh, you know, who are out there gathering signatures, uh, who are out there, uh, you know, every weekend, some folks putting their lives on hold. A lot of people who had never been involved in politics before, uh, but who realize that this is the moment that we really have to take a stand and come together uh, and, you know, take on uh, this corrupt political class uh, that is ruining our state. So I got involved with the recall simply to lend my voice as a voice of support uh, to the work they were doing. Uh, but, you know, as we've gotten closer to this final phase of the actual vote, uh, you know, I've said that I'm ready to play whatever role I can uh, to get this movement across the finish line. And so I heard from thousands, really tens of thousands of people uh, who provided really great encouragement and said that, you know, this is this is the role that I can play to best help the movement succeed. I, I did want to include in here, if I can throw in. Uh, myself as well as Trevor, we were some of those that <laughs> whenever any time somebody mentioned somebody running in the recall, we commented that we wanted you to win. So thank or we wanted you to throw your to name run. in. Yeah. So thank you again for making that final decision to help us out. Well, thank you for the encouragement. I, I really appreciate it. And, uh, you know, I think we got um, really uh, uh, the sort of opportunity that is, is quite rare in politics. And it hasn't come about through happenstance. And it certainly isn't because of me that we have this opportunity. It's because of, you know, the all of the volunteers, folks like you guys, uh, who have been, you know, working uh, tirelessly uh, to, to give uh, everyone in this state uh, this, this sort of very clear uh, choice. You know, are we gonna continue down the road of failure uh, or are we going to, you know, try something different? Are we gonna continue with uh, the, the, you know, the political racketeering uh, that defines life at our capital or are we going to try to restore the promise of our founding principles of a government of, by, and for the people? So this is a historic moment indeed, uh, a chance that only two other times have happened in history successfully. Yeah. As somebody who is aiming to, to take on this role as governor, what are the two or three, four, five, however many you have, what are your personal top issues uh, that the next governor will need to address in his first short little while in office to write the course of the ship. Yeah, so I think that, you know, the most important thing perhaps of all is to communicate a, a cultural change at the Capitol, to say the era of corruption uh, is over. We're gonna have an entirely different political culture. The current culture where lobbyists and special interests own the legislature and more than anything, own the governor's office, that's over. And, you know, I would say I am ready to work with the legislature, anyone in the legislature, who is willing to recognize that and is willing to now uh, govern in the public interest. And uh, so I would immediately call a special session of the legislature and start to tackle the state's truly fundamental problems, uh, fixing our failing uh, public education system. I'd be inclined to do a special session of the legislature specifically devoted to education reform and school choice. And then I'd probably do uh, something else, uh, another special session or, uh, you know, um, or perhaps just part of the uh, beginning of the irregular session, a major uh, package to actually take on uh, the issue of the cost of living, how expensive, how unaffordable it is here by doing away with all the special interest giveaways uh, that makes it so hard for ordinary people to get by here. And I think that homelessness might also be part of that uh, as well. And of course, the list goes on, but the fundamental uh, the overarching, uh, you know, approach is going to be we need to start act rooting out corruption and actually serving the people of this state. And we need to get back to basics. We need to start doing the things that government is supposed to do, like building roads and protecting the public and fighting wildfires and stop doing all the things that government isn't supposed to be doing. 
Well, there's an idea for you, huh? <laughs> That's <Yeah>. great. <laughs> what, what a principle to live by. <laughs> it, it, you've uh, spoken like a real governor, much less the one we have now. Fantastic. <laughs> as as you are now running for governor in this recall election, and we assume when you when you win, uh, you will be looking for another term and. Uh, us, as we know, many others will be there to vote for you. Then, we'd like to ask you, give you a couple uh, chances to express your opinion on some, maybe some rapid-fire issues. Uh, please feel free to expand your answer as long as big as you'd like, or if it's if you choose to, uh, just say whether you're for or against whatever issue, uh, in your opinion. Um, as a Republican governor, I, most people are going to be asking you whether you are pro-life or choice. Oh, pro-life. Perfect. I, and, and we know who we are, but now now uh, people can say they've heard it from your mouth. <laughs> yeah, we, we know. We've done our research and we see that uh, Planned Parenthood's giving you a, a zero rating. So we know, but <laughs> we'd go. like to get that on record for you. It tells you everything. <laughs> uh, with your experience as being a teacher and teaching Children, how are you on school choice? Well, that's one of the issues that I care most about. I was a high school teacher in inner city L.A. and saw how uh, badly our public education system is failing so many kids. And uh, so um, I think that you're seeing actually right now a revolution in school choice across the country uh, as other states are expanding the options available to families. Uh, here in California, we're seeing just the opposite. Uh, we're seeing uh, Newsom and the legislature go after uh, those limited forms of choice that are now available. Of course, their own kids, like Gavin Newsom's own kids, get to go to private school. They have plenty of school choice for themselves. Uh, they just don't want it uh, for everyone else. That's that's what I was talking about with a special session of the legislature to specifically address that issue. And there's also going to be an initiative on the ballot next year dealing with school choice. Do you have a, a specific um, opinion on how school choice, what that looks like in practice, or are you a proponent of like school vouchers? Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, it's there's a number of forms it can take. But, you know, number one, we need to end the war on charter schools, which Gavin Newsom uh, has brought to sort of, a, uh, you know, a total um, effort to, to eliminate them. Um, and we need to actually expand the principles of chartering to make it so, uh, you know, uh, every school district can essentially uh, or in every school district uh, across the country or across the state. Uh, you know, it's it's not, uh, you know, an uphill battle in order to start uh, a new type of charter school that, you know, the options should be available. Uh, they shouldn't be able you shouldn't get your proposal vetoed just because, uh, you know, interest groups oppose it. Uh, but, you know, you should be able to offer uh, what your product, your educational product, and then uh, families uh, can choose whether it's right for them. Um, so I, and then when you look at something like vouchers or educational savings accounts, that's sort of taking the idea to the next level that you're saying, we're going to fund, uh, students directly so that, you know, in some cases, in the case of LAUSD, it's $26,000 per student that we spend. I think that, uh, you know, even if you give parents a fraction of that, they can make a lot better use of it, uh, than is currently being made by, uh, by the state in that district. Yeah. And, and save the state money. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, for for an issue that most conservatives are dealing with in the state, and then we have a bit here in California, I'd like to ask you your opinion on vaccine mandates. I know this is a huge topic. Also, vaccine passports, what you think on these restaurant shutdowns of Newsom's and uh, things in that sort. 
I'm 100% against mandates. That's, uh, I mean, it's completely antithetical to uh, principles of personal freedom uh, that this country is all about. And, uh, and, and medical freedom is an important part of that. Uh, it's a decision when it comes to what is going to be, uh, you know, a personal health decision that affects you personally, uh, that's something that ought to be up to you and, and to, you know, uh, and certainly to your parents uh, if you're a minor. So I will, um, you know, uh, 100% uh, fight uh, mandates of any form. And I've already, uh, you know, introduced the bill in the legislature uh, to ban vaccine passports. For, for an issue that hits us here in California, again, uh, your opinion on illegal immigration as well as the wall, and I know this this seems uh, with, with Trump and everything, but it has been an issue that a lot of um, Californians are, wor- are wondering about. And as a Republican governor, sir, what would your response be? Well, I mean, California, uh, obviously, immigration is to a large extent a federal issue, but California has done everything, everything in its power to make the situation worse uh, with the sanctuary state, which I fought uh, against, uh, you know, in every way I could. And now, you know, the legislature and the governor continue to uh, expand benefits to the undocumented population in unprecedented ways. And this year's budget, uh, it expands uh, Medicaid uh, substantially, healthcare, government funded healthcare. Uh, to the undocumented population. And so uh, you would certainly see a, a dramatic reversal on uh, that approach uh, if I were to succeed Gavin Newsom. That's that's beautiful. We, we do know that this, and you would know as a, a candidate in, in this special election, uh, th- that is one of the three or four main reasons for starting of the recall of the, the list of grievances. That's the big one. It, it does, comes it up seems, every, every election. That it seems up. that Newsom in particular Uh, is really fond of favoring laws and policies and administrative orders uh, to defend non-citizens over residents of California. And uh, so we uh, really appreciate your input on that one in particular. That seems to be one of the biggest things about this recall. Yeah. And uh, so it'd be good for for people that are on the fence about who to support or whether or not to support the recall come September. Um, That's a a huge issue in the state. Mm Mm-hmm. Continue. And uh, California's handling of water. I know we talk, uh, many people talk about it, and we had heard even you had a great point of this um, with how much water California is just flushing away. What's your response and your thoughts on California's handling of our water situation? Well, California's handling of its water situation has been a disaster. We have um, uh, a drought now that has uh, a human origin, if you will, uh, in the sense that we have not planned uh, for the utterly predictable, uh, which is the natural cycles of wetness and dryness that, uh, that have marked our state's history. And uh, so I have a detailed uh, you know, proposal when it comes to uh, building adequate water storage, allocating uh, a fixed percent of the budget every year to build uh, water storage in a cost-effective way so that we can ride out these cycles of wetness and dryness. Uh, and so people aren't told to take shorter showers just because the government messed things up. And beyond that, I would remove these uh, some pretty crazy environmental regulations uh, and other uh, impediments to actually uh, putting water to productive use. We send so much out into the ocean uh, and uh, there's without any reasonable basis. We live in the North State, as you know, in Butte County. And so we're surrounded by uh, agriculture, uh, farmers of orchards, corn, hay. Um, we also have Lake Oroville just a couple miles from us. 
And so uh, people in this area would, would love to hear that you have a plan to tackle that. Yeah. Um, we're a little concerned about our lake is just about empty. <laughs> I was going to say uh, what lake, Orville? <laughs> our, our mud puddle is just about dry. And so our farmers will be very glad to hear the plan for that. In the same vein, we have another problem in California, homelessness, that I believe was ex uh, made worse by our, our current governor and government. And it's a problem California has made for itself. What are your thoughts on our homelessness issue? And the the project in particular, your thoughts on the project, of, what is it, Turnkey? Or, yeah. Uh, with the governor just taking them off the streets and putting them in a room without any kind of addressing of how they ended up there in the first place. Yeah, well, I mean, California has continued to spend billions and billions more on homelessness. $12 billion more is being proposed this year. And all it's done is make the homeless situation even worse. The unsheltered homeless population in California is now nine times larger than the next closest state. It is absolutely uh, jaw-dropping uh, how bad the problem is. And you don't need me to tell you that. Anyone who's walked around, uh, you know, particular parts of the state uh, is is just horrified by what they see. And it's a human tragedy as well with thousands of people dying on our streets. So, uh, you know, Gavin Newsom has had no strategy at all. And to the extent that he has any strategy, it's now this idea of just, you know, putting people in hotel rooms and saying, okay, uh, that's going to magically solve the problem. Uh, that doesn't solve the problem. Uh, there's no evidence to suggest that it does. And even the governor's own mental health czar has said that the problem with homelessness in California is a problem with the leadership at the state level. So I would support a model where you make sure that there is some place with a roof on it uh, to put every person who is languishing on the streets so they don't just continue to languish there and cause our communities to deteriorate. And then you make sure that they have access to the sort of substance abuse treatment or the mental health services or the job training or the other interventions that have proven to be effective in actually helping people transition out of homelessness. We have, uh, in California, as you know, July, we just had yet another increase in our gas taxes. And this is something again, that comes up every election and we had tried to fight it back before. Uh, my wife's family live in Oklahoma and they consistently text and send us messages <laughs> playfully making fun of us at how crazy our state is and how crazy our gas prices are. We California consistently has some of the highest gas prices in the country. What are your thoughts on gas taxes themselves consistently raising year after year? And we never seem to see the money go to the roads, which they promise it's supposed to be for. Well, yeah, that's exactly right. You know, and it's so uh, indicative of, of everything wrong with California, where we sacrifice the most and we get the least in return. We pay the highest gas taxes and we drive over the deepest potholes. Uh, and so that is, you know, the clearest mark of government failure. Uh, and, uh, you know, there are a whole host of issues wrapped up in that. Uh, there's the fact that our uh, state's politicians uh, have diverted transportation funding for years and years and years. There's the fact that we have uh, all of these special interest uh, giveaways that make it too expensive to build roads in California, several times more expensive than many other states. And so that's what this recall really gives us the opportunity. The question that we get a chance to ask to the 40 million people of this state is why is this the case? Why is it we pay the highest gas taxes yet have the worst roads? Uh, and why is it that we are always sacrificing the most and getting the least in return? And I think that if we can effectively make the case, uh, which is the truth of the matter, that this comes down to political corruption that is personified by Gavin Newsom, then we will have widespread support from decent people of all party affiliations uh, to have a change.
I, I see a uh, pattern showing up. The last couple of uh, rapid fire issues are all California made issues. And if I can end out the, the rapid fire section, here's another California made issue where we're hurting ourselves. AB5, I know you are one of the leaders in attacking AB5. How's the fight going? And what are your thoughts also with the nation trying to make a nationwide version of our AB5? Well, I mean, I have, uh, you know, been uh, trying to roll back AB5 uh, since it was implemented. Uh, it has been one of the worst laws ever passed in California. It's one of the most corrupt laws passed in United States history. I've introduced multiple measures and instituted multiple votes uh, to overturn it. But the legislature has refused to do so. And Gavin Newsom actually used COVID-19 and emergency powers to hammer the law in and to to ruthlessly enforce it. Uh, but your point about it being uh, sort of mis- metastasizing to the national level in the form of the PRO Act, which Joe Biden has endorsed, uh, that's a very important point because I think that, you know, to the extent that you're seeing some of California's failures now, uh, you know, being nationalized, you see some of the folks from the Newsom administration failing up uh, to the national level. Uh, the recall is our opportunity to issue a warning to the rest of the country not to go down our failed path. So, uh, so that was the end of our rapid fire. We do have one, uh, one point we'd like to make uh, towards the end here. Um, this weekend, as we, had, as we mentioned, um, you had your kickoff rally. And um, we will be posting at the end of this uh, interview on the episode for our listeners uh, snippets of the, the greatest hits of uh, Kylie's speech um, from that awesome. Saturday rally. <laughs> but uh, as Tyler and I dubbed it, um, the speech that made Kevin Kiley governor. Absolutely. <laughs> um, um, you guys are very kind. Thank you. At, at the end of the rally, you took time as you always do to shake hands with the voters and to, uh, and then the media was there to ask you some extra questions. And while we were there um, listening to that, that extra part at the end there, um, very close to to us and in, in close proximity to you, I'm sure you remember there was a man that came up wearing uh, a mask and was talking over you and asking to know why you voted for, quote, uh, mail-in ballots that hurt President Trump, end quote. Um, and so we, we heard your answer, but that, that message and that misinformation seems to be spreading um, throughout some of the, the underbellies of the, of the movement on Facebook, social media, different social media sites. And, and we know it's misinformation. We'd like the listeners to get a chance to hear from you what that man was talking about and and why he's misguided in asking that question we'd like to give you uh, yeah i mean it's completely false i have voted many many times against uh you know mandatory automatic uh ballots being sent to folks i just did so uh a couple weeks ago or maybe it was a couple months ago by this point um i the only time uh, i think maybe what he's referring to is that uh at the beginning of covid uh there was uh you know this uh executive order by gavin newsom that uh, would have that would have required ballots be sent to even inactive voters, uh, and uh, this is actually uh, one of the the subsequent orders on this topic was the one James Gallagher I even sued him on, which makes it the, all the crazier since we sued the governor specifically on this issue. Uh, so the the maybe what he's referring to is that uh, you know we did support a bill uh, that we thought was uh, necessary to make sure that the ballots at least only got sent to active as opposed to inactive voters. As, you know, which seems right up the conservative uh, uh, party line there, which so uh, 
most of these people, including that man, um, are supporters of some other candidates that are running for governor. Um, we expect things to come out like that, but we wanted to give you a chance to tell our listeners and uh, get on the record there of that just because something is uh, some mud is flung doesn't mean there's any veracity to it. And then uh, Tyler has one finally one question for you. Finally, I, we had talked before and it had come up that uh, speaker in California, speaker Anthony Rendon had sent you, sir, to the doghouse office. And we, I guess I was curious, are you still in the doghouse? Uh, I haven't been just because there was a, uh, there was, there's been like vacancies in the legislature. So no one's actually been there uh, for, uh, right. for some time. <laughs> well, we considered it a badge of honor. And Thank if you. we were ever so fortunate as to make it into the legislature ourselves, we were going to have a competition to see who could spend most time <laughs> in the doghouse. I think I think a great title for your next book, sir, would be From the Doghouse to the Governor's Office. Ah, I like it, man. That's catchy. So thank you so much for your time. If it if it's okay with you, we will pin portions of your speech over this weekend at the end of this episode for everybody to hear. Yeah. Who weren't able to make it. And then thank you again. This has always been fantastic. Again, thank you, sir. Uh, thank you for your time, and we hope to see you in the future. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks for everything you do. independence. 
and we remembered the immortal words with which it was declared. We know these words so well, the stirring lines, the self-evident truths, that it's easy to forget what the rest of the declaration was. A long list of grievances against a single man. Yes. <laughs> yes, and I swear Gallagher and I didn't coordinate on this. Our founders understood they had to make the case against King George. Yes, yes. But the revolution was about more than him. It was based on universal principles. Principles that would set the colonies on a new course. Principles to forge a distinctly American identity. That's why four score and seven years later, Abraham Lincoln would say the nation was conceived not in hostility, but in liberty. Yes. Now we too have made our case against a single man. Our list of grievances against Governor Gavin Newsom is long, tragic, devastating, infuriating, without comparison in our state's past or our nation's present. But the recall is about more than him. It too is based on universal principles. Principles that will set our state on a new course. Principles to perfect the American identity in our distinctly Californian way. That's why, as the years go by, this governor may fade from memory. But the recall he inspired will always be remembered as a new birth of freedom for the state of California. that my presence here today is unlikely. Some may call this campaign too bold. At 36, I'd be the nation's youngest governor. Yes! And my population, I'd be leading its biggest state. Yeah! But you know, as it happens, the guy who's currently the nation's youngest governor also leads one of the biggest states. And I'd say Governor Ron DeSantis is doing a pretty good job.
the nicer people will try to say polite things like, oh, maybe this will help you get your name out there. <laughs> and I would respond just as politely that actually I'm planning to win. <laughs> and that's what we did. Special interest billionaires and self-funders spent huge sums of money. But we had an army of volunteers in a grassroots campaign like California had never seen. Yeah. We shocked the political establishment, and we've been shaking it ever since. Yeah. Now, I've been called a maverick, leader of the opposition, Gavin Newsom's chief antagonist. Yeah. Breaking legislation passed in recent years on issues like freedom of speech, public safety, school choice, criminal yes. justice, artificial intelligence. I have actually co-authored hundreds of successful bipartisan bills and resolutions. And last year, I was re-elected re with over 178,000 votes, the most ever in California history for a member of my party. Yes. James Gallagher has made to take on our state's core problems has been snuffed out. That's because we have a political system, a state government that is fundamentally broken. Yeah. Yes. When you pay the highest gas taxes while driving over the deepest potholes, yeah. your government is broken. Yes. Yes. When you pay for billions more in homelessness spending, yet watch tent encampments multiply, your government is broken. When your child's education is funded at up to $26,000 per, per year, yet she still isn't taught to read, your government is broken. When you get a good job and work hard, yet can't afford a down payment on a house until your 40s, your government is broken. When you live in fear of your community burning down and uncertainty over your light switch working, your government is broken. When you're told to take a shorter shower while water flows abundantly to the ocean, your government is broken. When you watch calculator-wielding thieves rob department stores in broad daylight, waving at the security camera on the way out, your government is broken. When you walk down public streets that function as both restrooms and ingestion sites, your government is broken. When you wait hours in line for a driver's license while state politicians get their own private DMV, yeah. your government is broken. broken. Everywhere you look, it is the same story. As Californians, we sacrifice the most and we get the least in return. It's no wonder two-thirds of residents say they think their kids living in our state today will be worse off than their parents. Yes. And it's no wonder so many people are packing up U-Hauls to avoid this fate. Yes. Last year, for the first time in California's 170-year history, our population declined. Wow. This used to be the state 
where anyone can get ahead, where the full glory of the American dream was realized. It's now the state that many can't wait to leave behind. That is the California tragedy. So how did this happen? With our extraordinary wealth in companies and universities, our astounding diversity of people, communities, and cultures, our beautiful mountains and lakes and trails, our magnificent coast and enviable weather, with Silicon Valley and Hollywood, avocados and almonds, a mystique that lights up eyes of the world over, not to mention an outsized influence in Washington, D.C. With all of these assets, how are we last in everything? Well, across the world and throughout history, one factor more than any other separates failing states from prosperous ones, and that is political corruption. Nothing is more ruinous. It is an iron law of the human condition that corruption leads to decay. California is the furthest thing from a government of, by, and for the people. It is a government of corrupt politicians controlled by lobbyists for the benefit of special interests. And no one, no one has personified that corruption like Gavin Newsom. As long as dictionaries are printed, the first entry under hypocrisy will always be the French Laundry. even more revealing about that scandal was the company our governor keeps, a table full of lobbyists. They wine him, they dine him, they elect him, they own him. And as my partner in Liberty said, they've helped him raise $30 million for this recall alone. When buying politicians is your business model, you will pay anything to stop a citizen's movement. Yes, yes. PG&E, to take one example, was behind Gavin Newsom's rise to power in San Francisco. To this day, PG&E has given more money to Gavin Newsom than any other politician. They even pay his wife's salary. To take another example, it was Newsom's largest funders, massive unions, that instructed him to sign and ruthlessly enforce AB5. Then during COVID-19, Newsom took this corruption to peak levels with a penchant for turning emergency powers into cash. That might be why he refuses to give them up. Huge no-bid contracts were awarded to the governor's top donors. Powerful interests, including Hollywood, were exempted from lockdowns as small businesses died in droves. But worst of all, in what may go down as the political crime of the century, this governor expelled millions of kids from school longer than any state while his own kids attended in-person private school. He inflicted untold harm on a generation of young people. He reduced your child's life expectancy so he could keep getting money from teachers' unions, perhaps for a delusional presidential run. If this isn't grounds for removal, I don't know what is. Rico! 
friends, the Newsom regime has proven the truth of that famous saying, power corrupts, absolute power corrupts absolutely. Corruption was already causing California's decline, but Newsom's absolute corruption has brought the decline to a total freefall. California has had the worst COVID experience of any state. If our outcomes matched Florida's, millions more kids would have been in school, hundreds of thousands more workers would be employed, and thousands more people would be alive. Amen. Amen. Proverbs tells us where there is no vision, the people perish. Yes, yes. In Gavin Newsom's California, there has been no vision. But it's not because he's blind. This governor drove our state off a cliff with eyes wide open. Corruption! The recall, then, is about one thing, and it's about everything. Rooting out political corruption and restoring good government. More than any particular policy, it offers a new paradigm for our public life based on integrity and service. That's how we'll fix all the failed policies. Yeah. Yeah. To save the state we love, I'm asking California voters to take a chance on change. Yes! Yes! And guess what? If you don't like the result, you can vote for a return to political racketeering next year. <laughs> In this historic election, we can not only correct the unprecedented abuses of the COVID era, but turn the page on the long-standing abuses that got us to this point. We can turn the page on our state's disregard for the well-being of students by empowering families with school choice. We can turn the page on our state's disrespect for the welfare of workers by removing barriers to opportunity and protecting the right to earn a living. We can turn the page on the California exodus by rolling back every special interest giveaway that makes it so expensive for ordinary people to live here. And we can turn the page on this dark era of government control by lighting a new spark of liberty and self-government. Self-government. This is the moment to rekindle that great American innovation, to renew the meaning of we the people. Yes, yes. Here's the thing. I think the most important job of our next governor is to make it less important who the governor is by returning powers to local communities and individual citizens. to live your life as you see fit and to have your say in our shared future. Yes. Yes. That's the larger promise of this recall, revitalizing the whole idea of citizenship, reviving those forgotten words from our Declaration of Independence, the consent of the governed. Yes. Yes. At the end of the day, this is a movement not just to fire America's worst governor. This is a movement to save America's greatest state. We've already made history and now comes the fight for California's future. I happen to believe California is worth fighting for. I know all 
with you. Thank you.